everybody. Glad to have you here. Welcome back to Funny Pair. I'm Pat Shea. And I am Mary Teresa Archbold. And we are super happy that you are listening right now. We've got two fantastic stories lined up for you today. In a little bit, we're going to hear from our friend Ben Jager Thomas. He is a comedian and dad of two living here in Brooklyn, New York City. And of course... You know the deal. If you're raising kids in Brooklyn, he is also looking for houses in New Jersey. You will hear a great story from him in a little bit. But first up, we have our very dear friend, Aaron McAvoy Mason, someone we have known from our old Chicago days. Yeah, I first, when I first met Aaron, she was on top of doing improv, she also did craft services for film shoots. And still is secretly hoping for her own cooking show. She is married to another comedian named Tim Mason, and together they have four children. One, two, three, four children. And Aaron is an original member of Chicago's longest-running all-female improv group, Sirens. And she's worked for the greats IO, Chicago, Second City Comedy Sports, Improv Acadia. And you can catch her uh, doing events in Chicago with a group called Louder Than a Mom, which is a live lit event. So if you're in the Chicago area, check that out. And Aaron's got an amazing story Hilarious. about air travel and... Pregnancy. And... A good Samaritan. Maybe. Sort Let's of. find out. Enjoy. So this is, this is a story that happened. Um, this is a real-life tale that happened to uh, myself and my daughter, and technically my son, um, now about eight years ago. I was visiting my parents in New York and uh, we had had this really fabulous weekend and I was trying to maximize, you know, before your kids turn two, you can fly with them for free. Mm. And what's nice is when they're, you know, like six months old, they're, they're pretty easy on your lap, but as they get older and more independent, they're kind of a pain in the neck. Uh, but I decided to travel with my 18 month old daughter and I was six months pregnant at the time. We had a really great weekend, uh, surprisingly, and everybody was just so like sweet and nice, and it, it really worked out great. And and uh, I was you know packing to go home, and I started to feel weird, like I was feeling sort of sweaty and kind of queasy, and you know like just when you're you're just feeling off. So I mean I was pregnant and I was tired, and I was like ah whatever, it's fine. And I get in the car, the, my rental car, and I drive to the airport. I say my tearful goodbyes. And I get mm-hmm. to the airport and by myself. And as, as I'm handing them my little receipt to, you know, they do the little ticker with, like, you turn in your car and you hand them your keys. And they, like, they print out this thing off of, like, a handheld device. It's pretty terrific. Mm-hmm. I can right. hear it ticking. And I can sort of instantly start feeling my body like sweat and and <laughs> I describe it as like the chet cheese um, feeling in your mouth where you've eaten way too much sharp cheddar cheese and so you start sweating from your eardrums and under your lip and under your eyes and and so you know that like a really bad stomach thing is about to happen to you but you're not quite sure what it is. So I go up to the counter, I, I finish, you know, I get my kid in the stroller. I was like, this is not good. So I go up to the airline counter and I say, I don't think I should get on this plane. 
I'm six months pregnant. I have my 18 month old and I'm just realizing that I, I think I'm really sick. Like I, and I, I probably looked like hell, you know, I was probably pasty and white. And the woman, she's like this lovely woman with her little blue, you know, vest. And she's like, no, you should not get on that plane. No, no. Oh, no, honey. Oh, all this, you know, being so sweet. Oh, well, we have, we have a flight you can take tomorrow. And we have a flight on Tuesday. I said, oh, you're so wonderful. I'll, I'll, would I be able to use your phone and call my family so they could come get me? And I must have had a cell phone, but who, who knows? I, I'm sure uh, she just, right? And she goes, and the only thing is that it'll cost you the difference in the ticket, which is $600. Ooh. And I said, oh, oh well, um, see, now here's the thing. I have a 18-month-old child with me right now, a six-month-old child inside me right now, and I'm about to be sick. I need you to help me out. She's like, oh, you shouldn't get on that plane then. You should not get on that plane. You should take this ticket and it'll just be $600. <laughs> and I said, well, I kind of need you to say all of that without saying anything about the $600. <laughs> he's like, well, I couldn't possibly do that. So in my mind, I thought the best solution was to get on the plane, mm. which I did. And I settled in. No one was next to me. It was one of those small planes where you just have two seats on one side and two on the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughter's sitting next to me, but no one's next to me. So this is great. I'm like, great. I'll put her over there. I'll drink some ginger ale. It's an hour flight. Like, this will be be so easy. I can do this. Look at what I do. I'm pregnant and with an 18-month-old. I did this. You know, like, superwoman. I thought it was going to be so easy. And... As I'm sort of settling in, I they're about to close the doors. I see this last disheveled girl get on the plane. And she, you know, clearly wildly hungover. She's got like this long stringy blonde hair and this hoodie on. And she's already got her, she's got her sunglasses on in the airplane. Her earbuds already in and she's kind of like her, her shoulders like all of her hangovers in her shoulders like she's all scrunched up and walk in with her big bag and of course she sits next to me i'm like shit Mm. um so and i'm i'm still getting a lot of cheddar cheese sweat by now i'm really i'm really feeling really bad and uh the baby is she seems fine you know she's just kind of sitting on my lap and this woman turns her back to me which is great okay good ignore us that's good uh, but Dorothy somehow gets herself inside this woman's bag and she flicks out like three tampons and the woman's retainer and the cake opens up and all this stuff. And she's trying to do her tray table and this is not making this girl happy. So, uh, she, she's trying to ignore us pretty hard. And while I'm seeing this and this seems humorous to me. And we've now taken off. Um, we're ascending into the great beyond. I am completely overwhelmed and I need to get an airsick bag, which I've never in my life reached for. I don't think I've ever really looked at. Um, and I fill the entire thing. And the baby is still sitting there trying to rummage through this bag. Oh. <laughs> and 
I was like, I was in it. It was otherworldly. Like I don't remember really any of it. To me, it was like this void. Like if you you can get a bag, it's it's like you've been transformed. It's a TV show where you you know you've just been sucked out of your own life and you're put somewhere else for a few minutes. Oh, and it's really not the actual puking in a bag. It's that that you have to hold it. Right. <laughs> and it's made of fucking paper. <laughs> You're holding a paper bag. Of, oh, so it's just disgusting. So this poor girl is like, now Now I realize she's, she's realized what's happening too. The baby's still just sitting there. She's fine. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So somehow... I am pregnant, unbelievably sick, and holding a puke bag, and I'm the one who's capable of dinging the little buzzer to get the attendant. She comes over, the stewardess, and and I said, you got to get this girl out of here, please. Give her a new seat. So she leaves, and uh, I think, oh, and this, I tell this woman, I'm, I'm going to need a garbage bag, you know, and some help, and she comes back. And I think, oh, how nice. She came back so quick. I thought she'd have water for me or ginger ale or she'd maybe take my baby for the next 45 minutes. And she got <laughs> on rubber gloves, this big bag, this like plastic thing over her front of her and like 40 alcohol swabs in little packets. <laughs> and she tells me I have to wipe down everything. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't have like a bird flu mask on because she wanted oh. for sure. <laughs> so I go, okay. And I put all the swabs next to me. And as she's walking away, I look at Dorothy kind of like, well, we survived that. You know, I don't think I'm going to throw up again, hopefully. And she just looks at me with this like wonderful little smile and then proceeds to sit all over me. So she's sick too. It, is, it soaks through my entire lap oh. onto the United Airlines seat below me. Oh. And we are sitting there, and I just grab whatever. I don't know if it was a sweater. I have no idea because I, of course, eventually threw it away. And I wrap oh. her in this thing because the smell that must have been emanating from row blank blank 21A or whatever it was, I cannot imagine. So I ding the dinger again. <laughs> So I start, because now I start realizing, like, I'm really sick, my kid's really sick, and I had made no plans. You know, I was going to take a cab home for a flight, so I had no plans. Tim was on a stage at the Second City. There was no way he could get out of this. Um, His show had already started, and I started, like, thinking about, so when I start freaking out like that, I I call it my dateline, my dateline brain, where I start thinking to myself, (laughs) What have I done that is now going to get me on Dateline? Which is what I was doing right then. <laughs> and it's in so like the greatest guy ever. You know, going, but miss, you knew you were sick. You had the cheddar cheese sweats. Why did you get on that plane? Why did you not think that you're, do-? you know, like the whole scenario. And then you just have to sit there in the interview and they flash back to you and you're just like, I don't know. I just wasn't thinking, Stone Phillips. So, so comes back and I said, I thought this through. I really think I'm going to need a sky cap when we land. And she's like, I'll see what I can do. Like, uh, what? Okay. So I'm thinking that's taken care of. We somehow survive 
the baby never even it never phased her in the least. Right. Yeah. I don't mean the baby in utero. I mean like the big baby. She was just like, yeah, whatever. I got stuff to play with. She still probably had a few of those tampons from that girl. And um, so the plane lands and everybody gets off and I'm waiting for the sky cap. And I also don't want to move because I'm covered in a puddle of blue. And, and all the stewardesses leave and, and the cleaning crew comes on and no one is, no one came for me. Like there, nobody came. So I, I get up and I wrap her up in this thing. And I, I somehow, and, and when I stood up, I was like, oh, this is not good. I am so sick. I'm afraid I'm going to pass out. And I get to the, um, you know, where you walk out and, uh, they have my stroller there. I was like, Oh, thank God. And this freaking expensive stroller that's supposed to be so one handed and so easy. I cannot open. So I have the baby and I'm covered in all this filth and I'm trying to open it. And out of nowhere, this hand like gleaming, like (laughs) a knight in shining armor comes and opens my stroller. And I look up and this guy is standing there and he goes, I was sitting with the young girl who, who, uh, and she told me everything that happened. I thought you needed, would need me somebody to come back. I was like, Oh my gosh, thank God. You're so wonderful. And I somehow instinctively think I should hand him my shit covered child, (laughs) (laughs) which he doesn't take, Uh, but he does reach out his hand again. And he puts his hand on Dorothy's head and he puts his other hand on my head and he starts to pray. Dear Lord, please bless this young mother who is here and obviously has had a lot of problems in the last few hours. Please watch over her. In God's name, amen. Something like that. And then he takes his hands away and he just said, I am so glad I came back. And then he leaves. <laughs> we through the freaking O'Hare Airport, the United Terminal, which is so far away. Oh. You're underground. Yeah. It's that freaking voice that says, uh, at the end of the moving walkway, right. pay attention. And all I kept thinking, it was like Stone Phillips' voice running through my head, like, you knew the moving walkway would keep moving. Why did you get on it with your sick child and yourself? You know, and like that I would just be collapsed on the moving walkway with it hitting me over and over and over again. So I'm sure I'm like convinced I'm not going to survive. So I'm walking so slow and I, I, I stop in a bathroom and this, uh, and that's where like a, a real person finally helped me. This little tiny, wonderful attendant who barely came up to my armpit. She just, she somehow knew, probably from the giant, enormous circle of shit on my lap, like that she could see, she knew something was going on. So she took all of Dorothy's clothes. She disposed of all of them for me. She helped me clean her up. We wrapped her in her like winter coat. She did not speak a lick of English. And she just kind of basically like winked at me like, hang in there, mama. She's awesome. And... I get to baggage claim, and now it's been like 45 minutes. <laughs> and there's no, you know, I said, well, I don't know where my bag is, but I see the Christian there, so I know I'm at the right spot. And he waved to me with his big, stupid-ass smile and his blonde hair and his stupid gray suit. And it, 
I really don't remember if I did this for sure, but in all of my memories, I gave him the finger because I just was so, so mad that he was so pleased with himself. (laughs) (laughs) And in my pride of like, fuck you to this guy, it took me another like five minutes to realize there were no bags left on that carousel because my bags had gotten lost. (laughs) So we sat outside of the like baggage claim lost area and waited for Tim to be done with his nightly show. And in the end, the the most like the most grateful part of my night was for the amazing like <laughs> totally illegal worker who helped me and for the fact that I somehow did not pass out in O'Hare Airport and I somehow survived that <laughs> wow and that that was the end of that night oh my god and I think somehow, honestly, the two of us woke up the next day feeling fine, if I remember right. I don't <laughs> But it was And there you go. You know who saves the day. Wow. Wow. I just, wow. We've listened to the story several times, and every time it just shocks us more and more. Just the thought. And she's right. Those little air sickness bags are nothing they are paper it's like (laughs) here have a napkin catch it in a napkin exactly and we're taking off okay and now we're excited to share with you our great friend ben jager thomas ben is a member of gypsy danger an improv house team at the people's improv theater they do an amazing improvised movie now ben sort of has a large YouTube following because he decided past the age of 40 to take up skateboarding. Yeah, and so if you are interested, you can go to his YouTube page, Ben Jager Thomas. We'll have a link on our website. And check out Ben training and learning to skateboard past the age of 40. He posts a video almost every day. And it's a really cool community that they have going there where people give him advice people check in with each other and he's become an amazing internet sensation and he's a really good guy and a dad to two kids who he is going to tell us a little bit about how bedtime rolls in their brooklyn home i think one of the interesting things about parenting um uh and it was much more i guess clear early on uh you talk about like swaddling and especially talking about like the ritual of bedtime and things like that uh very early on you you know one of the things that we realized was you get into a rhythm with parenting or you get into a rhythm or you kind of almost figure something out like bedtime like feeding uh like anything and it immediately changes mm-hmm. you're like oh man i'm in this really awesome groove i've got it down i come home i, I do the thing we heat up the bottle of milk we uh put it over there you know like it, you you get this whole groove down and then they change and you have to adapt again and that constantly continues to happen i mean i i was home with hannah for the first 18 months um my wife was working full time and with my voiceover work i you know i had a a lot of flexibility to just go into the city for auditions and stuff like that but i was home often so i was home with this baby 
And while I had done some, um, you know, babysitting here and there when I was younger, I was not prepared for everything that entailed. But trying to like, just trying to get her to eat anything. Uh, you know, my wife would pump breast milk. I'd have breast milk at home. I would try and get this baby to eat breast milk. Baby wouldn't eat breast milk. I'm looking up everything under the book. I mean, I am, I'm doing it in a bottle. I'm warming it. I'm, I'm like holding it against my skin. I'm hiding it under my shirt. Like I'm laying in bed trying to get her to breastfeed with me where I'm putting the nipple <laughs> up against my bare nipple. And like, I'm trying to like, I'm doing all this stuff and I cannot get her to, to, to take the milk at all. Eventually, I mean, I'm, like you're getting in these crying, screaming, like rage-filled match. I mean, my neighbors must have thought that I was like wrestling someone upstairs or like we were under attack because I'm just screaming. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you need. I just want to like, you know, and she's crying and I'm crying and we're screaming. And eventually she ended up just drinking out of a five milliliter eyedropper. That's all I could get her to take. <laughs> So this poor child is like drinking like I oh gosh maybe maybe half an ounce three quarters of an ounce of milk during the day and then she just wait until Kate comes through the door and is just like topping off like all night long it's like a golden corral all you can eat buffet she's just like <laughs> going to town um anyway that's a side anecdote but um. <laughs> It's it's really interesting how, you know, throughout time you're you're you know, with, with kids you're 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 trying to figure out how, how do I get through this certain moment. Bedtime, eating, getting dressed in the morning, these battles that you're constantly having with children. And something I was learning over time or something that would keep hitting me, and I think it's you know, it's applicable to the to acting, to improv, to everyday relationships is just this idea of kind of slowing down and listening. Mm -hmm. Like and listening harder. Um, even sometimes when you don't want to, because we're the parents and we need to at the end of the day, we have more wisdom and more time on this earth. And we are the ones that need to take the hit that can absorb the fact that this person gets to throw an insane tantrum over the color of a jacket or who gets to zip it first. While you have to like <laughs> take a back seat, breathe, recognize the moment for what it is and go, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. You wanted to zip it. Does it matter that you are 12 minutes late to get to school? Does it matter that your car is out of gas and that you're going to have to stop and get that as well? It doesn't matter that you already forgot their lunch and you're halfway down the block and you have to go back and like all the weight of these outside things that, is, that you have to hold yourself accountable for, all that weight doesn't matter to them. All they know in that moment right then is that they want to be the ones to zip the zipper or they want to choose the green jacket or they want to make sure their sleeves are on the outside of their new jacket. Like it's, and it's, <laughs> it's kind of an insane moment to like go. And, and it, and when I, when I've taken that moment and stopped, when I have the patience, when I can suppress all the rage that I've built up over 41 years, <laughs> and I could take a moment and breathe. It's kind of an amazing moment to go, Oh my gosh, I remember when I was, somewhat this age i remember the feeling of how scary everything is and and how there's like no power 
And like you rely on these other people. And like, what does that feel like to rely on everyone else around you, but to not have the faculty or the words for that, to be able to express those things. And the way that it comes out is I want to do the jacket or I want to have the green one or whatever. And it's just like, kind of like, I don't know when that, when I'm able to, and it's not always, but when I feel like I reach that Zen uh, parenting gold medal moment where I'm like, oh, I need to be patient in this moment. It's amazing to have uh, that kind of wash over you. And I had a moment like that the other night where it was bedtime with Jack. And normally, Jack is golden. Jack is like this beautiful, amazing kid who, and, and Hannah's awesome too in her own right. That's I'm saying that in case she's listening in the other room, and I don't want to lopside her, uh, you know, her, her therapy down the road um, because I don't know how loud. Yeah, I'm qualifying because I, I don't know how loud I'm talking with these headphones on, and she might hear through the wall. And honey, I love you, both of you. You're awesome. You're amazing. But but he, Jack. You know, Hannah stays up forever. She's really hard to get down to go to bed. Jack, you would go in, you'd read a book, and be like, okay, buddy, and you'd start to turn the meditation or a song on. He would just roll over and go to sleep. You didn't have to lay there. You didn't have to wait for him to go to sleep. He would roll over and go right to bed. That all stopped the day that Hannah came home from being on the school bus, had apparently sat next to a child who had an quote unquote encyclopedia of alien pictures. Apparently she had a book full of this, this other child had a book of like a doctor who book that had photos, quote unquote photos of aliens. She said, and I was like, okay, this is all show, you know, props and, and she's seeing pictures of photos of, you know, the actors and, and the, you know, all the aliens quote unquote. So Hannah was super scared. Well, she decided to share her fear by telling our three-year-old son. Now, this had nothing to do with aliens. She told our three-year-old son, there is a man, when it turns nighttime, there is a man that comes around and kills people. He comes into your house and he kills people. I don't know where she got this from. I wanted to strangle her. I was like, how do you tell this to a three-year-old child? What is wrong with you? So ever since that day, Jack, the light, you know, as soon as it dusk would hit, uh, Jack would be like, he'd be look, looking to the windows. He's like, where's the guy coming? Like, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So completely ruined bedtime for us. Um, And so now ever since then, we've had – not as bad trouble with Jack. He's he's calmed down some since then. But bedtime is now more of a lengthy process with him as well. So we've had to, getting back to trying to figure out a way, you know, getting back to my point earlier of like, okay, you have something that, that works for a while and then it changes. We've had to shift again. Well, it comes down to this other evening where I am, I'm upset. I've got voiceover auditions that I have to record from home. I've got lines that I need to learn so I can put myself on tape for a, uh, a television show. I, I'm, I'm, I've got a bunch of stuff that I have going on. I've got things weighing down on my head. I am stressed out. I don't want bedtime to be taking as long as it does. I lose my cool. I'm, you know, we've been, I, I've read him a book. 
We've had meditation go all the way through. It's been 15 minutes of me laying down beside him. I am at the end of my rope. I stand up. I'm, I'm like, Jack, this is not working. I'm upset. I'm kind of yelling. I'm like, buddy, you know, I'm standing in the door going on like one of my five-minute tirades. And I end it with, Jack, you need to learn how to face your fears. This is no longer acceptable. You need to learn how to face your fears. There's a moment of silence. I can hear him kind of sniffling and crying. And I start to leave and he says, but dad, but dad, every time you guys leave the room, I do face my fears. And there's, and that's one of these beautiful moments where I, it's undeniable. Like I have to stand there and go, holy shit. Yeah. I remember what it's like to be a little kid and to be in the dark and to just want someone close by you and to want someone near. And for him, it's hard for him to, you know, it's amazing that he can articulate that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like these little moments where the game switches up again. And if you stop and if you breathe and if you listen and you listen a little bit harder and you let all that information in, it can't help but alter how you move forward with everything. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing moment of just like going, oh, right. So they constantly teach me stuff all the time. It's, it's usually a lot of the time it, it's always happening. I think there's always a conversation going on between us Mm -hmm. physically, uh, you know, verbally, you know, with all of our senses, it just, it just depends on the moments when one or the other of us is patient enough to hear the other in whatever capacity. Uh, my heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know, I know. My heart completely broke when I heard that. I was like, I was like, oh. It just keeps killing me. That is heartbreaking. Uh, it, heartbreaking. And I know we've all but had those dead. moments. But dead. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Oh, we we hope you enjoyed that story as much as we did. Oh, gosh. And makes you feel a little bit better about what is secretly going on in their heads, which is so heartbreaking. Exactly. Um, I and think so our, amazing I, at the same time, know, right? It's so funny because I just think our kids are like, what's going on in their head? It's like trains, trains, right. more trains, <laughs> and trains, and then maybe a car and a train. Nothing that deep. And large construction vehicles and trains. Yes. Um, we thank you so much for checking us out and listening to these wonderful stories from Aaron and Ben. And now we're going to ask you to do your part to help us keep going. And that is make sure that you subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you desire. And like us on Facebook or follow us at, on Twitter. Or leave a review of what you are hearing. And if you love it and if you want to connect with other parents, reach out to us. All right. And we have a three-year-old knocking at the door right now. So we're going to leave you. Have a great week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for uh, with a new installment. Bye.